Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Divisional Round Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. In this episode, we're breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We're discussing the guys who are high and low on, and we're speculating on some player props. With me, as always, are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Gentlemen, how was Wild Card Weekend for you guys? It was pretty good aside from, well, two things. Like one, I just had a terrible bad beat in a Patriots game where like Julian Edelman dropped essentially all my money. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to go like contrarian with Jordan Howard in some lineups, which obviously didn't work out. Um, he didn't play as far as I saw. I did, I did pretty good in a, in a lot of showdown slates because I had a lot of key guys. I know like Anthony Ferkser, he was popping in our models. Um, uh, Taysom Hill, obviously. So overall, it was, a, it was actually a pretty pretty good weekend. Um, closed it strong. I think I went like 8-0 eight and, eight and oh on um, the Seahawks game, 6-0 and oh on props. So uh, felt good, but uh, would have wished uh, that Patriots game turned out a little bit different. Yeah, it was something of a mixed week for me. I think I ended up about break even in, in betting and props, but uh, I had closing line value on like all yeah. of my bets and almost all of them went against me, which was just so tilting. Uh, so, you know, whatever. So much for closing line value. <laughs> but uh, Sean, how'd it go for you? Yeah, uh, it went well. Um, I was talking with you guys before we came on. Uh, some a specific site was accidentally letting me bet way over my typical max on player prop. So <laughs> I cleaned up. I, I went eight and one on my posted um, bets in the app, but I, I was making a ton of live bets that, like, you know, I, I don't feel like posting in our app because they change so quickly. Uh, but I hit on a few of those too. Um, it, overall, it was just a great week, and I love being able to focus on just a handful of games as opposed to like 16. Yeah. So this is just a great time of year. Um, you know, four games is like ideal for me. Once we get down to two, uh, I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm missing something. But I, I love this time of year where we get four games, four high, you know, high stakes games. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into those games. Uh, we're going to run through our rankings and let's start with quarterback. The three guys at the top. And I should say like uh, this – before we, we started the show, I was looking through the rankings to kind of compare. And uh, there's a, a lot of uniformity for us. And I, I think that's, uh, that's just kind of what happens when you start to have four games and uh, like players you're familiar with at this point. But uh, at the top of our rankings, we have Lamar Jackson versus Tennessee, Patrick Mahomes versus Houston, and Deshaun Watson on the road playing in Kansas City. Sean, who are you relatively high on this week? Well, first off, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, typically before we do this, I load in the DK prices uh, against my projections and, you know, I have it color coded and uh, projected prices and whatnot. And the DK pricing this week is like exactly in line with what I had. Pretty crazy. So pricing is extremely tight at QB. 
Um, I think we agree basically on the, the exact order of QB. Uh, so it's going to be tough this week. But the, the one QB that sticks out um, that I think is just a little too cheap is Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, this is a four-game slate, so I, I'm basically um, only focusing on GPPs, and he's not really the high-ceiling guy you want. But I think for him, I think having him in some game stacks uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, the I believe the uh, Vikings-Niners total is the lowest right now at 45. Uh, but I think people look too much into that right now. All, all the totals are basically between 45 and 50. And, you know, even those aren't, you know, gospel. There's going to be a wide range of outcomes. So this game could end up being the high scoring. Um, so I think with Jimmy G, some game stacks make sense. The, the only really way uh, he'll hit his ceiling is if the Vikings put up points too. So I think he could do some Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, um, and send it back with Stefan Diggs type stack. So I think with him, you have to be smart, um, but I'll probably be over uh, exposed on him this week, uh, just based on his price. And I think uh, some some game stacks there make make sense here. Yeah. So to put some context on this, one through five, all three of us have ranked exactly the same way, uh, and I'm the lowest on Garoppolo. I have him eight, but it's not as if there's a big difference between where I have him at number eight and probably where you have him at number six. Like what's separating six through eight is a very minuscule number of points. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where I'm relatively low on Garoppolo, but I don't feel as if I'm really like all that low on Garoppolo. It's just sort of like a function of where we are at this point in the season. Chris, who are you relatively high on? For me, it's, uh, it's Deshaun Watson. Um, Because when you look at his, where he's priced, he's the third highest quarterback Um, at DraftKings. He's six, 0.7 0.7 K and that's, you know, Mahomes is 7,500, uh, Lamar is 8,400. So uh, when you look at uh, Watson, he's really, I think the only quarterback that truly has, um, or, or not the only quarterback, but I think he has the best shot of uh, kind of matching or exceeding, um, you know, the, the, a ceiling game from a Mahomes or a, a Jackson, you know, Russell Wilson. I, I just think the offensive lines is too maligned and green Bay. They kind of play, they're a little more run heavy these days and whatnot. So I think, I think Watson in a game where the over under, you know, it's kind of shot up a little bit. Um, you know, the chiefs, you know, Andy Reid with time to prepare. I think that's great for their offense. Um, and, and, and the Texans tend to start games slow, which is not great for Watson, but um, it also leads to kind of a lot of like a lot of um, just him running around and, and doing his thing later on in the game. And, and he ended up with pretty decent numbers against the bills after a terrible start. And then you look at his splits with Will Fuller, as I'm sure we've, um, you know, always talk about anytime Fuller is, uh, looks like a, he's going to play. Since 2017, Watson with Fuller, uh, he averages 8.7 yards per attempt, 2.3 touchdowns per game uh, passing, uh, and 276 passing yards. And then without Fuller, just 7.26 yards per attempt, uh, just 227 yards per game, uh, and only 1.3 passing touchdowns per game, which I, that is kind of nuts when you think of Deshaun Watson because the rushing touchdowns only go up by about uh, 0.12 when, when uh, Fuller's out. So Watson's just accounting for a, a ton less of t- uh, uh, in terms of touchdowns when Fuller's out of the game. So I think, um, I think Watson is the guy for me who um, I'm going to probably be a little bit uh, overexposed to. So the guy I really like is Mahomes. And uh, I, I mean, I – Part of me just almost to be contrarian, wanted to put him number one, but uh, you know I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Got to respect the MVP, but 
uh, you know, Mahomes, when he's been healthy and when he's had Tyreek Hill healthy, like when that offense has been fully functional and now, you know, Damian Williams is healthy, like that offense is at full capacity and they're coming off of the bye. We know Andy Reid is master of, you know, off the bye week. Uh, so I think it's a good situation. And this is the only game on the slate in which the total has moved up. And it's moved up significantly from 49 to 51. Uh, and so I think, you know, if, if I had to pick one game on the slate to be the shootout, even though I'm betting the under, which <laughs> terrifies me. Um, so much for your line value. <laughs> I, I know. This is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving line value on this one. Um, yeah, like this is, this is the one game where like the market is clearly indicating that it's expecting uh, a shootout. And, uh, you know, I, I like Watson. I like Jackson. But um, Mahomes, I think, has, has a ceiling that is obviously equal to what those guys provide. And then he has the matchup going against Houston. And Tyreek Hill is, you know, at this point playing primarily in the slot, and he's going against Vernon Hargraves, which is just like the best matchup that almost any wide receiver is going to have at any point this year. So uh, I don't know. I mean, like on his own, Tyreek Hill could maybe give like 200 yards and two touchdowns to, to Patrick Mahomes. So I like Mahomes quite a bit, even though we all have him ranked number two. I like what he has the potential to do this weekend. You know, looking at that um, that last Chiefs-Texans game where the Texans uh, pulled off the upset on the road, 31-24, uh, I think that was a game where – it was a game after Mahomes got banged up against Indianapolis. So I'm not sure exactly where his health was at, but um, if you look at that game, it's pretty nuts if you look at the drive breakdown because the Texans did not punt the football once in that game. Uh, they missed a field goal. They had uh, two picks, and they lost a fumble. That was how – their non-scoring drives ended and then and then one at the end of the game where they they ended the game uh, and then the Chiefs they only punted twice all game and it was their last two uh possessions so this game you know it, it, especially with if Watson gets fuller back and, and with Reed with time to prepare I mean this this could be a, a shootout like I know it's kind of chalky to say that when you have two good great quarterbacks but I mean you know just looking at that game I mean it kind of stands out the fact that you know two punts between between the teams all game long yeah so uh okay I mentioned Garoppolo is a guy I'm relatively down on uh you know part of it is just uh I think it will be a run heavy type of game for the 49ers I think that's really where they distinguish themselves uh on offense and where they're most inventive uh Garoppolo could have a good game but just looking at the slate he's the guy that I I kind of feel the most uh uncertain about so I'm lower on him Sean who are you relatively low on so I wouldn't say I'm relatively low on him because I'm ranked number one um but Lamar Jackson I think because of the same reasons you guys mentioned I think the gap between him and Mahomes is a lot closer than people might realize um and Mahomes is about a thousand dollars cheaper on DK so I'll probably have way more exposure to Mahomes than Lamar. So I guess by default, I'm lower on Lamar. And also, you know, a slate like this um, with four games, um, you know, I like Mahomes because he has more um, stackability. Uh, you know, you could use Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, obviously, even Sammy Watkins, which I'll mention later. But Lamar, he's just he's a little bit tougher to stack with. Um, so I just I just like the leverage you can have with Mahomes, who probably lower owned, um, and he has he has the upside. We haven't seen it lately. I think the week off will definitely help him um, come over. He had the, the hand injury. He's dealt with uh, knee and ankle injuries all year. So I think the week off will help 
Uh, and hopefully we'll see more of a ceiling game from this week. But it, it's been long overdue, and uh, I think he'll be under-owned because of it. Raybon, what about you? Yeah, so for me, it's Kirk Cousins. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on a piece for, for Action Network com right now where uh, essentially the uh divisional round uh quarterback confidence uh ratings and it's just kind of it's kind of a fun piece but i'm looking at a lot of real data as to just you know these quarterbacks um will end up affecting the, the games and, and the spreads and, and how confident we should be you know kind of just kind of isolating them from from the situation and looking at how they played both historically and this year and when it comes to cousins ryan Tannehill, i, I figured was going to end up being like the lowest ranked guy but like Kirk cousins has a real like argument to be the, the quarterback we're the least confident and I mean when you look at the, the San Francisco 49ers defense uh you know they they had some issues with health but it looks like they're getting Quan Alexander back uh you know Sherman D Ford chance to get healthy uh guys like that we'll see about Tart and, and those guys but um this defense is the only defense that allowed fewer net yards per pass so that's once you account for sack yardage loss uh fewer net yards per pass attempt than uh, the Patriots. Uh, they allowed only 4.8 uh, net yards per pass. And then uh, I was looking at just how each quarterback has fared against winning teams this year, against you know teams above 500, because that's obviously you know key in the playoffs. A lot of times, quarterbacks, you know, different kind of game scripts tend to skew their performance or their numbers or, or whatever not. And and, and Cousins and the Vikings, um, re- the only team that has doesn't have a winning record or, or even a 500 record versus winning teams are two and four straight up two and four against the spread. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I hats off to, to Cousins and, and, and the Vikes for what they did last week. But, man, I think it's, real, it's really going to be a tough spot um, this week for, for, for him. And, and the reason I, I, I go with him as a guy I'm low on over Garoppolo is because I do think that, you know, going against a Mike Zimmer defense will always be really difficult. I think the last time he went against him, he won uh, one touchdown, three picks uh, in week one of last season. But – at the end of the day, he also has Kyle Shanahan. And, and that, you know, if there's somebody that can kind of match Mike Zimmer's wit on, on defense, especially with an extra week to prepare, I think Kyle Shanahan will have some tricks up his sleeve. And um, whether it's, you know, some type of trick plays to Debo or, you know, getting Sanders loose against Xavier Rhodes and that banged up secondary. Uh, I, think the, I think the 49ers, I agree with Sean, I think they have a little more upside in the passing game. Whereas I think Cousins, I mean, he, he, he's a guy that I could just see completely just – I'm um, shitting the bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. If you look at our last models right now, he's the only QB uh, with a negative plus minus, and it's like <laughs> by a landslide. Because I have him, I have so I have him ranked last, obviously, and Tannehill second to last, and I, I have Cousins a point below Tannehill. So there's he's sort of in his own tier down there. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure that's like that's that's how Minnesota might be feeling as far as contract after this game is like, oh, that's <laughs> plus minus, just terrible. Um, I mean, because remember they they got this far with Case Keenum, you know, a couple years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I, I'm 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 not feeling Cousins this week. I'll, I'll say that. All right, uh, Sean, you're going to give us the prop for the quarterback position. Everyone should be sure to check out the Fantasy Labs prop tool, which since last season has had a 60% win rate on the props with a bet quality of 10. Sean, what is the quarterback prop for this week? Uh, so I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson rushing yards uh, against Tennessee. This is, you know, the most critical QB stat to project week in and week out. Um, and I have it right now at 67 and a half. Over. <laughs> Over. He's going, this is the most important game of the year. He's going to put it all on the line. You know, this is a game where I think both of these teams are going to want to run the football. 
Um, so I, I expect, you know, him to be completely unleashed. I have him at 73. And I think we've kind of seen that in these playoffs where whether it's running backs or, or just quarterbacks that can run, you're, you're going to kind of use that to your advantage. You know, in the regular season, you know, for example, I think we saw Russell Wilson not really run as much over the last few games. And um, I think he like beat his rushing prop on like the first, his first carry. Yeah. Uh, so did Josh his, Allen. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, if, you know, I think that these are the kind of games where, you know, the competition is going to be tight. The schemes are going to be very focused. There's going to be like Lamar, if, if, they, if it comes down, for example, him going out of bounds or him kind of trying to juke and pick up an extra five or 10 yards or something like that. I think this, this is the type of game where he goes for those extra yards. So, um, yeah, I have him about, about six yards. I could, yeah, I could see Sportsbooks offering something closer to what you said in like 73. I typically stay away from his rushing prop. It's just too volatile. Like my heart wants to take the over on this, but uh, we're sort of uh, flanking you on this. I have like 62.5 is my projection. But, I mean, I, I have no confidence in yeah, exactly. at all. That's and what I'm one, saying. <laughs> one thing that uh, I, I think might work in the favor of the under, and I would need to go back and look at this, but because they are such big favorites that uh, maybe they get in a situation where Lamar doesn't need to, like, drop back as often and then doesn't scramble as often. And, you know, if, they're, if they have a big lead, they just uh, are satisfied by handing the ball off to Ingram and to Edwards and Justice Hill and letting them pick up the yards on the ground instead of having Lamar do it. But, uh, I mean, it's just – it's really hard to, to gauge anything with this prop. I would like, Sean, your feedback on this. Uh, I was talking with Ravel on the uh, Sirius XM show today, and uh, for his fade Ravel prop this week, he's doing over under .5 Lamar Jackson rushing touchdowns. So he's taking the under. Where are you on that? Yeah, I would say under should be uh, 55 to 60% likely. Yeah, I haven't projected for uh, 0.41, and that like a uh, touchdown distribution isn't a normal one. So I think that right. that would imply around 55 to 60 percent under. Yeah, so I like it. All right, let's get to the running backs. Uh, the top three players in our rankings: Aaron Jones uh, versus Seattle, Dalvin Cook at San Francisco, and Derrick Henry at Baltimore. Sean, who do you like? So I, I like Aaron Jones. I actually have him. You know the highest projected points uh, for DK and he's the uh, third most expensive. Um, I think he'll be pretty chalky, but the guys I, I, I like are in the uh, 6k range uh, specifically Damian Williams and Raheem Mosert um, with Damian Williams, you know, the KC backfield has been a nightmare for us all year to project, but that's been the Damian Williams being hurt. So I think now that he's back uh, it's given this backfield more stability. I mean, he went bonkers the last two weeks um, and I think the week off um, might you know, limit his uh, ownership a little bit. So I don't think he's going to be extremely chalky. Um, so I love him in this spot. I don't think he's going to be um, 6K next week. I, I think I could see him being closer to 7K um, if he goes off here. So I love him. And then Raheem Mozart, um, you mentioned earlier, I, I definitely see this being more of a, a run-heavy game. Um, and, you know, he was pretty much given the number one uh, role back in week 13. He really hasn't done anything to, to lose that. So um, I could see him getting 15 and 20 touches here. Um, I, I would probably stack him with the 49ers defense. I would think that would be sort of the game script where he would um, go off. Uh, we still haven't really seen him use in the pass game much, but I, I think he ran around on 50% of the dropback. So there, there is some potential for at least a couple uh, grabs there. But um, at 5,800, again, on this slate, I think this is sort of the sweet spot, this 6K range at running back and then spend up at uh, receiver and tight end. Rayvon, what about you? Who do you like? 
Yeah, I, for me, it's it's Damian Williams. Uh, clearly, you know, a guy who Andy Reid wants to feature in this backfield. It looks like you know coming down a stretch. Uh, you know, we thought maybe um, you know Sean McCoy. They were just kind of saving him, but like they were, they still played in some pretty important games down the stretch. And, and McCoy was either scratched or or just didn't really play uh, at all. So I think Williams, when you look at his carry shares. Uh, in, in the in the last few games that that he's been uh, not hurt, you know, he seventy five percent the last game, sixty one point five percent in the game before that, and then he got hurt, you know, in the game before that. But then the two games before that, he was at eighty six percent and seventy five percent of the backfield carries, and uh, we saw that play out in the playoffs last season as well. Where I think Damian Williams, he was kind of hovering in that you know ten to thirteen carry range uh, in, in his starts during the regular season. And then we were kind of, okay, you know, how is, the, how is it going to split out against the, uh, I think it was the Colts they played. And Damian Williams pretty much got like 26 carries or something like that and all, almost all of the work. So uh, I really like him. And then, and then you factor in, um, Sean, you kind of mentioned Mahomes and, and stacking him. You could even go with Watkins. Um, I think you could also go with Williams. I think yeah. you could stack, you know, Williams is a really good pass catching back. Uh, the Houston Texans allowed the fourth most uh, receptions to opposing running backs this season uh, ended up betting the over on Devin Singletary's uh, reception prop. I think it was at two, two and a half last week. Um, and I'll probably be looking uh, to do the same with Williams here because I think Andy Reid is just a really great schemer at, at getting running backs to football. And I think he's going to be um, heavily utilized in the pass game in, in this particular matchup. All right. The guy I'm relatively high on is Derrick Henry. And uh, I don't want to be kind of suffering from recency bias in terms of what he did last week, but he's, you know, basically since week 14 of last year, he's been a pretty dominant runner. And I think if there's a way that you attack the Ravens, it has to be on the ground because they are so strong uh, at the cornerback position right now. And uh, I think what the the Titans did last week against the the Patriots not that they're going to be able to replicate it because the Ravens are going to score points but I still think even if the uh the Titans are down by 10 13 points they're still going to be running the ball uh instead of throwing it so uh even if they get into what would normally be a pass heavy game script they would still uh with a lot of obstinance decide to run the ball so uh, I'm still relatively high on Henry, uh, especially considering that he is a pretty big road dog, which is like the worst scenario in which you would want to roster someone. And Henry has negative splits. So uh, as a road dog, normally isn't the best situation to, to roster him anyway. But uh, it, it worked out last week, and I just think uh, they're going to be running the ball as much as they can, and even beyond reason, they will continue to run. Sean, who are you relatively low on? So the the guy I'm going to have um, pretty limited exposure to is Dalvin Cook um, at 8K. I, I think he'll be uh, – I think Derrick Henry will probably be the highest on running back, and Dalvin Cook might be the second highest. Um, and at 8K, I, I just like some of the cheaper options at running back. Um, so he's just not fitting into my roster construction. You know, he looked 100% last week. People are going to be all over him. But, uh, you know, I could see this matchup. The Vikings get in comeback mode, and they, they have to lean on Cousins more or something. So I just – I don't love him at this price, and it's just a matter of um, you have to fade someone. And I think uh, of all the expensive guys, I'll probably have the least exposure on him just to have some sort of leverage on a, on a four-game slate. So, like I said, I'll, I'll have a lot of Aaron Jones – uh, Damian Williams, Raheem Mozart, and it kind of just leaves sort of a void in uh, Dalvin Cook. 
Rayvon, you must be extremely insulted that one of the guys you're high on, Sean, is low on. <laughs> Not at all. No, I, I think, think it's, right. it's, it's probably for different reasons. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything bad to say about yeah. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. It's more just like he's not fitting into my lineups right now. Yeah. I do agree. I think on, on DraftKings, Cook is, you know, just based on the pricing, it makes more sense there to fade him. But I, look, I was looking on FanDuel and Cook is actually 8K. And so that's where I, like, I actually wrote it. I, that's where I like um, Cook is on FanDuel when he's the third most expensive back because I think that is a value. I, I actually do have him number one, and the reason being um, is because I think that, again, I think Cousins is going to struggle, but we saw, Cook, you know, 28 carries in the backfield last week, Madison five, and, and Abdullah and Ham one each. So I, I do think the, the Vikings are going to try to run it as, as much as they can. And I think that if they get down, you know, San Francisco has been so good against wide receivers uh you know this season and um they're getting healthier on the back end and they've also been um you know they 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 have been good against the tight end as well um a a lot of that depends on the health of jaquiski tart but uh, i I just think that he cook is going to be in the game plan as far as getting him the ball in the pass game uh, as well so i I think that the touch up side for him is massive but honestly i I might need to just put derrick henry number one and and say screw it but uh (laughs) but uh a guy that i'm low on just overall not even for pricing reasons uh is travis homer of the seattle seahawks and this i don't know if this is contrarian or not because you all know that green bay has struggled in run defense this season they're a, a pretty poor uh you know team against the run and 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 a lot better against the pass and so I think Homer will get some decent ownership. But for one, I think, um, you know, Carol said, hey, Marshawn's going to play a little more. I think that um, that's probably going to happen. I think Marshawn will get the goal line carries as he did last week. And then uh, you look at, like, the state of the Seahawks. And their offensive line is decimated. Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, he's out. They lost Justin Britt, their starting center, back in, I think it was week 10 against Atlanta. So they're, they're really decimated on the, on the offensive line. So I think even when Homer's in the game and he'll play more pass downs than Winch, I would think, um, I think there's going to be a lot of pass blocking um, for him. So not, not high on him at all. All right. The, the guy I'm relatively low on, and honestly, I might need to kind of go back and look at this a little bit, but Raheem Mostert, and I know that he got the lead back job, you know, within the final month of the season. But at this point, you have everyone healthy coming off of the bye. And so I'm just a little more hesitant about him really being locked in as the lead back. I could see there being kind of just a little bit more of an even distribution of touches amongst all of the running backs that they have. I mean, like Jeffrey Wilson is like the the rare small bodied vulture and they're not even like giving him touches, but he's like, he would be a, a very good number two back on anyone else's team. Uh, And so they just have so many weapons that they can go to in the backfield that I feel really hesitant, even though they are home favorites, about uh, skewing the touch distribution heavily towards any one guy in that backfield. So it's, uh, I don't know. I I mean, honestly, like where where are you guys on all of this and, and how the distribution breaks down with the 49ers? It's tough because I, I was thinking about this too because I, I was looking at my model and I, I would like to have Carlos Hyde, I think, above Mostert. Uh, I think I have Mostert six, Hyde seven. Um, but then I'm, I was looking at it in – like San Francisco just projects for a lot of rushing attempts. Um, like they, they are a very run-heavy team. And so even when you – like, uh, you know, Mostert's been getting, you know, close to 60% of the carries over these past few weeks. And I mean, even if you take a little more conservative approach and I, I bumped him, I just played with it and I like bumped him down to 50%. Um, and he was still coming out as uh, ahead of Carlos Hyde. And a lot of that is to do with um, that they are run heavy. You do expect them to have 
uh, more goal line carries than, than a team like Houston, who, um, in, in, you know, large underdogs against the Chiefs uh, might just not get to run the ball as much. So I, I do think, like, there's some sneaky ups- upside with Mostert. He's scored – I believe it's what in his last five games he scored a six. touchdown or something. Yeah, six. Six. okay, yeah. Ever since uh, they inactivated Jeff Wilson, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got. He's got to be active to get some touches there. But I, <laughs> I know. I just. I know. It's just. It, it's crazy. I mean, it's like the guy that they were giving goal line touches to yeah. at the beginning of the year. When, when it's like, hey, this guy's 190 pounds. Why are you giving him tons of goal line touches? But you know, it's just they have so many backs that they could do something with. Even and, their fullback. Even their yes, fullbacks. Yeah. That's what I was. <laughs> about to say like there's a like I'm higher on the, the Niners in this matchup um just for because I think Cousins is due for a, a poor game but you know if game script doesn't go you know the way the 49ers want um they have used Kyle Juszczyk in pass protection as their pass down hurry up back or they'll use like two backs and, and yeah I, I, I agree that it could get very dicey and then you, you throw in the kind of Shanahan unpredictability factor yeah. where whether it's Matt Breida you know getting like the first five carries of the game or, or something silly like that like he's going to try to do things to break tendency so I understand yeah. I've been playing fantasy football for 20-25 years I know to never trust the Shanahan but I, I think just with Moser he's he's cheap enough to where I'm gonna I'm gonna bite this week so yeah um, I feel like a noob I, I know he scored a touchdown six straight games I'm not banking on that I could just see him getting you know 15 plus touches potentially this week as well yeah yeah I get it I'm just still, you know, like Shanahan with an extra week to get in his head. About yeah. How he, he wants to be contrarian. It just, we'll, we'll just, it's Debo Samuel end arounds and things like that yeah. will happen. That's yeah. part of it. But well, who, here's a question real quick. Uh, okay. Like after watching this whole season play out, like rank just in terms of talent, the, the top three San Fran backs. I mean, I love Matt. I'm a big Matt Breida guy. Um, I'm always scared about him just running away with the job. I would, I would go. Uh, and Mozart's look good. I would go Brita, Mozart, Coleman right now. Yeah, same. And it's crazy because that's like Brita's like the third string now. Oh, something yeah. like, for some, like it's, yeah. it's crazy. Do I even need to include Coleman? I mean, I would go, I would go Mozart, <laughs> Brita, and Wilson. Yeah, like, your boy Wilson. Oh, like like Coleman, Coleman's expendable. Like like seriously, if, if they put Wilson in and and benched Coleman, would they actually miss anything from that backfield? I don't think so. No. Yeah, it's, and it's disappointing because I feel like it's been like two years now where we're like, okay, if Coleman, you know, he's in this kind of committee back, he's still kind of a, you know, a flex draft pick and, you know, season long. But if, but if somebody gets hurt, watch out. Coleman's going to get all – and it just doesn't happen for some reason. It's just like – it's just in that same purgatory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like sorry to everyone who ran into the buzzsaw that he was when he had four touchdowns in one week. But other than that, yeah. like that, like that was the one game. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into the player prop for running backs. Sean, give it to us. All right. Obviously, we're going with Derrick Henry rushing yards. This is a very tough line to set, but I'm going to float 95 and a half. Over. I got him at 100. I got, I got him at 21 and a half carries. I have Tennessee projected for 22 carries, and I have him getting uh, 21 and a half of them. I think that mm. it's, it's a little high. I've, well, he's actually got that high two weeks ago, and then last week he got 94 point something so I think the less carries they have the more likely it is that he gets a higher percentage of them so yeah might play with it but yeah that, I think that's the difference I just have him at an extra carry I think it's funny that I'm higher on him relatively than you are but I'm gonna take the under <laughs> I have him at 89 and uh 18 like 18 ish carries 
I'm at 21.6. 4.4 right now. I mean, he's insane. And last week when I was doing my uh, player prop article where I just went through every player prop, I was like loading into my simulator to get his median uh, projection and like spit out like first thing I got was like 116 and a half. I was like, what? The? Yes. <laughs> like for his median. What? Yeah. I was like, week? huh? I haven't done that yet. That that thing, it's it's almost like mining Bitcoin. It's a whole process. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. But, like, I was just shocked. And I was like, that can't be right. So, I I tweaked some things. But it looks like it was correct. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm too low on him, which is uh, almost unreal. Because once I get higher on him, he's going to be the number one guy in in the rankings for me. So, how many do you you have him just for one reception? Like, what do you guys have for that? Because... I have him for 1.2 receptions. I have him, yeah, I have him a little, a little under one and a half. Um, I, again, like I think um, essentially like if in situations like this, watching how they use them, like I think if they get down, there will be a little bit higher chance that he, um, that he sees more work in the backfields, uh, like in past pro. So I, I bumped his target percentage up a tiny bit over, on what it would be because just you so know you, last week was just a, be, a very like outlier type of situation in general with them only attempting like 15. Yeah so that's what I was curious is if if they get down by 10 plus you think they'll just keep him in there and uh mm-hmm. do the or you won't have you don't expect him to use Deion Lewis way more even like Kari Blassen game. <laughs> I mean I so I do I do I mean I think obviously you know as they uh tr- the score you know increases against them um th- that would be more likely but mm-hmm. at the at the same time like we're talking about the difference between um you know like one and a half and one reception I think that like seeing how they use him in like what was it that 22 yard screen pass or something like that against the yeah. Patriots like I think there will actually be a couple called like at least one but even more if you know they get down in the playbook where they're just calling passes for him even if it's on early downs like he's the guy that has like that Lamar Jackson just silly ridiculous doesn't make sense kind of upside that like if they are to pull off this upset it has to be him and I think there was a game against because Henry's been in the playoffs before Mm. I remember he had like I think it's like a big player too in the past game in yeah yeah so he's never like he's always been decent it just yeah we're we're gonna probably see a, a negative game script so it's it's definitely important to figure out this week let's go to the wide receivers the guys at the top of our rankings Devontae Adams against Seattle Tyreek Hill at home against Houston and DeAndre Hopkins going against Kansas City Sean who do you like uh, so I definitely like the top two guys. Um, they're they're priced pretty um, low on DK this week. I, I have them both. They they should be over 8K, um, and you can get them 7.8 and 7.6. So I'll probably have a lot of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. We know their ceiling is massive. So um, love fitting them in this week. Uh, they'll be chalky, so I, I don't need to talk about them anymore. I think the guys that I'm looking to take flyers on, um, these guys are perfect for like a four-game slate or uh, Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins. Uh, they're both in the 4.4K range. You know, they both just went off in week one and really haven't done much since. So I think especially a guy like Marquise Brown, he's had two weeks to get healthy. Um, he's battled the ankle injury um, on and off this year. I think he'll be closer to 100%. I think Raybon mentioned earlier we could see an increase, um, you know, in snaps. And uh, he, he's been averaging about 80 to 85% routes run per dropback. So um, the potential's there. Um, I don't think he'll be um, over-owned by any stretch of the imagination. So I want to get on these guys before a potential big game. 
um, as opposed to next week, you know, where we're trying to figure out what to do with Sammy Watkins after a five-catch, hundred-yard, one-touchdown game. So I, I think they'll be the the cheap guys that I'm I'm taking a flyer on. You know, I'll, I'll be expecting three catches for 40 yards from them and just be pleasantly surprised if one of them just goes off and breaks the slate. Rayvon, you're relatively high on Hollywood, right? Yeah, I, I, for those same reasons, I think Sean put it well. Like, um, you know, the snaps, because uh, Brown has played as many as um, around on 95% of dropbacks. Uh, yeah, and 95% of dropbacks, that's his season high. Uh, I, I think it's not – there's a non-zero chance that he hits that season high. Or, I mean, in some cases, you know, we see guys like that play 100% if they don't, you know, get hurt or make a big play and have to come out for a breather. So, uh, he's a guy that really stands out um, because he, he really, you know, slumped down the stretch. Um, but uh, he is the Baltimore Ravens' number one receiver – um, Friedman, you always talk about Titans corners, nothing, nothing really to write home about, especially with Malcolm Butler, um, you know, out. So um, I think Adore Jackson, you know, from a, from a speed perspective, had, you know, he can match up. But, um, you know, again, this is a talented guy in Hollywood, and I think he'll be in there a ton of snaps. So he's the guy I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really looking at. And I also say I, I think I'm the only one of, of you guys who has uh, Tyreek number one over Devontae. Uh, and that's just because the, the Packers, like again, like Packers Seahawks, they're a team that they, they're going to play that zone. They're going to protect from the big play, whereas Houston, I just don't think is quite as talented to do that. And I think especially with the time to prepare, um, we've just seen Andy Reid really funnel the ball to like his top four guys, like especially Hill, Kelsey, and Williams. And to me, he's the number one guy. I think he has the most upside. This game has a bigger chance to be a shootout. Yeah, I really wanted to put Hill number one, but his target share has declined in the past past month I mean since Adams returned he has 11.4 targets per game mm-hmm. since returning from injury like that's just obscene and so and then given the matchup that he has he's going against Trey Flowers so Adams tends to line up a left wide receiver Trey Flowers at right cornerback you know the weakest of the the guys who's out there on a regular basis for the Seahawks so I think it's a, a just a really good matchup for Adams even though I have to acknowledge he'll easily has the better matchup going against Hargraves I just I still don't know how often he's going to be targeted a guy I'm pretty high on is uh, Debo Samuel you know going against Minnesota he's going to match up most with Xavier Rhodes I think really highly of DJ Moore so I don't want to compare too many people to what he did last year uh, you know in his rookie season but I think Debo has flashed some, you know, rookie DJ Moore type of potential. I know he's not ostensibly the number one receiver in that offense. Like in theory, that's Emmanuel Sanders, but really it's Debo Samuel. Uh, so I, I like his matchup quite a bit. And I think if there's one pass catcher in that offense and obviously, you know, tons of respect for uh, George Kittle, but I wide receiver in that offense that I, I want to be on, it's going to be Debo. So I'm pretty high on him. Sean. Who are you low on? Uh, so I'm low on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think we all have him ranked third. So I'm ranked third, and he's the third most expensive wideout on DK. But I think the the gap between the top two and him is pretty severe. So I have I have Hopkins about two and a half to three points uh, lower than both Adams and Hill. Um, so just you know because of that, I, I just probably won't have much Hopkins at all. Uh, Casey's been great against the pass this year. Uh, shutting down outside receivers. So I could see, you know, Hopkins, who won't surprise me if he has, you know, a six-catch, 80-yard type game. But um, you guys talked about, I think Devontae Adams has a higher floor and Tyreek Hill. Uh, I could see ranking him number one. I think he has the highest ceiling here. Just I'm going to have so much exposure to those guys. Just taking Hopkins is just going to be taking away from those two, and I'm not going to do it. So uh, I'll, I'll be pretty light on Hopkins this week. 
before Raymond, before I kick it to you, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on the the Chiefs' defense in general, which is kind of a little bit dumbfounding to me. So they have held wide receivers to the second fewest DraftKings points this year. But you look at and Raymond, I think maybe you've mentioned this in another podcast. But mm-hmm. you look at their cornerbacks, and it doesn't seem as if there's really anything all that special about what they are doing. And so I'm wondering where this is coming from. Is it a function of you know the the teams that they played against. Uh, is it does it have something to do with safety help? Like why is it that the Chiefs are so tough on opposing wide receivers when we don't really think that highly of their cornerbacks? As far, so yeah, I've definitely pointed this out because I think they they allowed uh, the their number three in DVOA versus number one receivers, and they allow the fourth fewest uh, schedule adjusted yards per game to number ones and the lowest uh, second lowest to number twos. They also have the lowest receptions to receivers in the league. And I think it's, it's, it's really a function of the scheme uh, more than anything. So uh, they essentially want to funnel the ball uh, underneath and uh, to the middle. Um, so they, they're, they're, yeah, it's, it's safety help. They're given, they're given their perimeter corners, um, you know, help over the top and they're kind of, you know, they'll have like, you know, maybe three linebackers or four linebackers or whatever, you know, in that middle level of the field, that's where they're kind of funneling the ball to and saying, hey, if you guys, you know, if you want to kind of throw to your, dump it down to your tight end or your back, um, so be it. But um, yeah, they're really, they're really helping out um, their corners there. So even though their corners don't maybe grade out that well in like PFF or anything like that, uh, this has now been like a, a whole, a full year trend of them yeah. uh, essentially being a, fu- a, a, non-wide receiver funnel like an anti-wide receiver funnel so um it is something I think you take seriously at the at the end of the day though yeah I think I think Sean's right like DeAndre Hopkins will get his because Deshaun Watts is not just going to ignore him but I think the floor is a little lower because even in that Bills game you know we saw Hopkins was pretty quiet for an entire half so that could happen again yeah, and Hopkins, uh, week six um, when they faced the Chiefs he went uh, nine for 55 Mm -hmm. so a bunch of short yeah, tight passes, and we still don't know if Fuller's going to be back. Um, that that might help Hopkins here, but um, yeah, I'm expecting just you know like a six catch, eight yard type game. All right, Rayvon, who are you relatively low on? Uh, for me, it's it's Stephon Diggs. Uh, I think you know he's priced way down to the point where I think a lot of people are going to own him. He's only five point six k. Then you have the on DraftKings, you have the um, kind of the narrative of oh he blew up on the sideline last week, and Cousins is going to target him, but again. Uh, this San Francisco defense has been so good. Um, all, you know, ver- number one versus the pass, um, lowest net yards per attempt in the league, um, but also just, you know, versus wide receivers. And so I think you could end up seeing another frustrating game uh, for Diggs. San Francisco allowed the fourth fewest uh, yards total to opposing wideouts this year. Um, and they, you know, they're, it's just really difficult um, to, to kind of uh, sustain, uh, you know, rhythm Throwing, throwing outside against them with, with Sherman and then um, Kawan Williams and then the pass rush and, and Kirk Cousins, I think he's going to struggle. So I think it's a trap that, that, that low price for Diggs. I'm relatively low on all of the Seahawks wide receivers. And this is something I, I might need to adjust, you know, given that they are now without their, uh, their top running backs, maybe they're starting to skew a little bit more towards the pass and I need to adjust for that. But uh, right now, I'm still relatively low on all of them. 
Uh, you guys have Tyler Lockett number four. I have him number six. Uh, I'm similarly a little bit lower on DK Metcalf and a little bit lower on David Moore. And, you know, part of that, I think, is the pass defense for the Packers isn't like it's not bad. They allow the second fewest receptions to opposing wide receivers. Their pass defense is, you know, I'd say average at worst. Uh, and so I'm just a little bit lower on the, the Seahawks wide receivers, but I might need to look at that a little bit more. Sean, give us the prop four wide receivers. DK Metcalf, pretty tough to project, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, 64 and a half receiving yards. And just real quick, when I was doing my uh, player prop analysis last week, his um, his median yards is 10 points higher than his average, which is very rare. I don't think you, you ever see that much, especially this late in the season. So it's just interesting to point out that his median is like way higher than his average. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, 64 and a half. I, I will take the under but I'm not under by much. I'm around 59.5. I, I wouldn't bet that, you know, if like that's, if that's the line that you gave me, but uh, I, I lean to the under. I have the over. Um, I have him at 70 and that's just because he's, you know, he's running all of the routes now and uh, Green Bay is actually, you know, they've been pretty good in slot coverage. Um, I think it's Tremont Williams is still out there, but you know, they also have good safety. So Metcalf is the most likely of, um, guy to blow up. And I might actually flip him and lock Lockett is just so efficient that like, even with a, like not many targets, he still pops in the model. But, um, when you look at Seattle, they have no offensive line, so they're probably going to use their running back in pass pro, maybe even a second tight end. I think it just kind of concentrates the targets to the wide receivers. So I think I understand why um, Metcalf's median would be higher than his average just because Seattle also has these games where they just don't pass a lot. And I think that like those games happen so frequently that it can bring down his average. But, um, you know, at the end, I, I think I think it, I like Metcalf is, is what I'm saying. I, I think he, I think he's in a good spot this week. Yeah. And this is kind of why I was thinking, like, I need to go back and look a little bit more at, uh, at what I'm doing in the projections, because Metcalf, uh, he lines up like almost entirely at left wide receiver. So he's going to be going against Kevin King, who at this point is the worst starting cornerback left in the playoffs. Um, like by far, allowing 1.71 yards uh, per snap. And that's, you know, from pro football focus. So like he has a good matchup uh, and I haven't really accounted for that particular matchup. And it's like it, we're at the point in the playoffs where bizarrely there are no more shadow corners left. Like Lattimore is gone. The Patriots are gone. Uh, like there's no one and uh, Tredavious White is gone. Uh, so there's no like sort of like ironclad, oh, this wide receiver is going to be facing this cornerback in this game. But because Metcalf lines up so much on the left side and because the, the Packers do play sides and don't shadow, you know Metcalf actually is going to face Kevin King for probably the majority of his routes. Uh, and so this is one area where I do think I need to adjust him up. So if I uh, had the opportunity to rebet this prop, I would actually <laughs> probably go over, you know, like now that I'm thinking about this a little bit more. Too late. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Too late. Honestly, after all this discussion, I'd probably set the line higher. So yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the tight ends. We have Kelsey Kittle and Andrews. I think no surprise that those guys are in the top three. And I think there's quite a bit of uniformity in our uh, tight end rankings. I mean, I'm looking at it and we have our top eight are all ranked exactly the same. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just kind of that point in the season. Sean, who are you relatively high on? I don't think there's any reason to really go past Kelsey and Kittle. It's a, it's a four game slate and we have 
you know, the two best tight ends. So I, I think at uh, 6,400 and 6,200 on DK, there's no real reason to go past them. Um, and I think it, it's smart to, to use uh, both, you know, take one of your tight end slot and use the other in your flex. I think that's an interesting play this week. I don't know if it's going to be popular, but I'll be doing that quite a bit. If there's anybody that I would take a flyer on in the, the 3.5K range, it would be Darren Fells. Jordan Atkins was inactive last week. I don't think we really know why, um, but Fells ended up running around on 80% of the dropbacks. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, he's a touchdown or bust kind of guy, but I could see if Atkins is uh, inactive again, you know, a three catch, 30 yard, two touchdown game from Fells or something. So he, he'd be the only guy in that range I'd take a flyer on, but I'll mostly have just a ton of uh, Kelsey Kittle this week. Rayvon, who do you like? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Sean on Fells. Uh, you know, he had 13 red zone targets, tied uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the team lead. And we, we just mentioned it. KC is a team that's going to funnel the ball to guys like Fells and, and make you kind of dump it down and, and take those five, six-yard gains. So I could, I mean, if the game script goes against Houston, uh, and the line has actually moved against them, it opened at eight, it's up to nine and a half, I believe. So if they get into that comeback mode, I could even see, you know, six six catches if they're, you know, they're going against the prevent defense or something like that. Um, and I think he'll be well-owned because if Fuller comes back, I think people will kind of be looking at him. So I like him. And Mark Andrews, I think, is that one guy that uh, has that, that upside of a Kittle or a Kelsey. And, you know, he's another candidate for increased snaps. I mean, um, Andrews, you know, he started struggling with injuries uh, in the middle of the season, and they really started kind of rationing out his, um, his snap counts. But this is a game where you know, it's for all the marbles. You know, I could see that it's been 72, 67% of routes over the last two games. He's had a couple of games in the, you know, close to the 50s. Um, I could see his season high was 73. I could see him um, breaking that season high in this game against Tennessee, who hasn't been uh, very good against tight ends. Raybon, to your point about uh, Tennessee not being very good against tight ends, Tennessee is, I believe, They've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to the tight end position. And, you know, part of that is a combination of touchdowns allowed. But then also, you know, they've allowed a pretty significant chunk of yards to the position, too. You look at what Andrews has done. He's still like kind of maximizing what he's doing when he is on the field. And as you mentioned, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the playoffs. This would be the time when they would start to, I think, uh, ramp up his playing time. So I'm pretty enthusiastic about Andrews. And although I have him uh, ranked number three, I think it's a little bit closer than uh, than Sean would probably say it is. Like I like I understand that there is like this there is a clear gap between Kittle and Kelsey and then Andrews, but I'm I'm still very interested in Andrews, which I guess like it's on brand because I've just been into Andrews like since the preseason. But um, I just I think it's a good spot for him, and they're going to give him a little more playing time. I'm only 0.7 PPR points, uh, half PPR points, lower than uh, Kittle. Boom. Well, then I think if that's the case, you, you basically have to like Andrews quite a bit um, because of the, the difference in pricing. But, Sean, talk to us about why Andrews is someone you hate this week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I hate that. Well, you know, I, I think there's, there's three tight ends we – can even consider this week. I mean, I could say the guy that I think is the most overpriced this week is Hayden Hurst, but I'm not going to waste any time talking about that. Kelsey and Kittle, I have them projected out to be uh, close to 7K this week. Um, so getting them at that discount, just I'm going to have a ton of them. And 
Whereas Mark Andrews, I think he's priced about where he should be. I could see him being priced a little bit higher, like uh, 5,800 or so. But obviously, you guys talked about it. His, his upside is massive, so I'm not going to fault you for taking him. Planning out my exposure, I'll probably have less of him. I think he'll be pretty chalky in stacks with uh, Lamar Jackson. I think um, what I'm going to do is any Lamar Jackson stacks I have, I'll probably um, mostly use Marquise Brown. We talked about earlier, I, I like his upside this week, and I think he'll be under-owned. So I think this is just more of a leverage play than me saying that, you know, Andrews is going to suck. Because like like you guys mentioned, we haven't really seen uh, the snap counts we would like to see from him. So if they, if they jacked that up this week because of the playoffs, I mean, he obviously has tight end one upside for this entire slate. So um, it, it's a bit of a risky move fading him, but, it, you know, you have to fade one of the top three this week. So that'll be him for me this week. Just, uh, just I'm going to have too much Kelsey and Kittle to have him as well. I think he's an interesting, like, game stack with, like, maybe Derrick Henry and, and, and A.J. Brown or something like that. Because if you look at Andrews, even with the low snap counts, He's, he's had 24% or more of the target share in 10 of 15 games. And so, like, really, I think it comes down to more how much does Baltimore throw the football. Like, if they throw the football a lot, there's a pretty high chance that he gets a, a – a, like, he can, he can have that, that, that target upside that, that um, Kittle and Kelsey have. But, you know, if they have one of those games where they only throw it, like, you know, 22 times or something, then, then, it, then it's a little rougher, so – um, it's, I think he, he's like an interesting game stack, but yeah, I wouldn't touch him in, in cash. Yeah. Like his, his target percent, things like that are, are so insane. Like his underlying usage is insane. You would just think if regression were to ever happen, it'd be uh, negative, right? He can't get any better than he has. So I think the, the only thing that he can regress up on is just uh, playing time. And that, that could be there this week. So he's, he's been one of the trickier tight ends to project all, all year. And this week's no different for me. All right, Raymond, who are you low on? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough week to, because like you have the three guys and then I think it's, it's kind of like, okay, lower on everybody else, but, um, but that top three, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, if I had to pick someone, I'd probably go, I'd probably go Johnu Smith. Uh, and that's because when you look at Tennessee, you know, even last week when it, the playoffs, you know, the playoffs hit, he, he his route per dropback was 56%, um, which is not a great number. We saw, we saw Ferkser mix in, um, you know, with the touchdown. Ferkser actually had a higher target percentage last week. Um, they only threw a few times, but he had 20% of the targets to Smith's 13. So, you know, it's just a situation where we can't count on him to, to be heavily involved in the offense. And Baltimore's pass defense has been very good. Um, so, uh, and, and Michael Pruitt also ran 39% of the routes last week as well, which is kind of double his season average. So just can't really rely on what Tennessee's doing as far as these tight ends. They're all kind of mixing in and, and they're just trying to do different things to, to throw off the defense. So John, who could go for a big player too, but uh, the usage is tough to uh, get behind. All right, the guy I'm relatively low on. Now, hear me out. It is George Kittle. Even though I know he has to be a, you know, a top two tight end in the slate in terms of where you're ranking him or projecting him, uh, as I said, I do have the difference between Kittle and Andrews as pretty close. Uh, and you know, Rayvon, you indicated that as well. And part of it is just that the matchup is actually really tough. Uh, the Vikings are number one in pass defense DVOA against tight ends. And I tend to think of Kittle as a matchup proof type of player. Um, just, I mean, like he is, I, I have to acknowledge that. But uh, I mean, he's going against two of the top three coverage 
safeties in the league in uh, Anthony Harris, who's really come on this year. And then Harrison Smith, who's, you know, been one of the top safeties in the league for years. Uh, and so even if he's a matchup proof guy, I think that means he goes from being, you know, like highly attractive to almost highly attractive. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of knock him a little bit because of the matchup. And so like, say he still gets the same volume, you know, he's just slightly less efficient with the monstrous volume that he's going to get. Uh, I already know that Sean is probably going to make at this point, the tight end prop, uh, George Kittle. So why don't we just get to the prop, Sean? No, no, you're wrong. And I can't blame you. Like I said, we can't, we can't play everybody unless, you know, we have our wives make teams too, but um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the prop, the it prop, only took about an hour for, for prop, that to get mentioned. That was great. The prop that I'm going to go with is the guy that I said is almost impossible to project this week. That's Mark Andrews. So I'm going to get us on record. Uh, I have him at 59 and a half receiving yards. I have him at 58. I mean, yeah, I'll go under, but, you know, still like him. But, yeah, I think that's a great one. Yeah, it's, it's never fun betting Mark Andrews under, is it? Never. Yeah. Never want to do that. <laughs> I'm right around that number. I'm slightly over. I'll take the over. You said 59 and a half? Yeah, 59 and a half. I'm around 60. 4.4 so. 4 receptions. Do you guys have about that? Like 4.4 4 for 58. Let me see the decimal. 4.4 4 for 58.3. All right, so yeah, he's easy to project. I changed my mind. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm I'm in that neighborhood. Yeah. How many how many touchdowns are you projecting? Point five. Okay. I have him at point uh, six. I'm like at point five eight. Again, it's like just projecting a little bit more snaps for for like the top Ravens guys that haven't that have been kind of not playing a full complement all year. So like Brown Andrews, which then lowers it for like uh, a little bit for um, like Boyle as the blocking tight end and guys like that. So I think yeah. his competition for touchdowns should be a little different than it is in some weeks. But um, so yeah, Willie Sneed's definitely tough. scoring the first touchdown this week. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, Seth Roberts probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't been the guy that's been scoring touchdowns yeah. anyway. I mean, guys, it, clearly it's a pass to Mark Ingram. I mean. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right. I think that is going to do it. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Check out the rest of our episodes and our live shows, and then please subscribe to and rate and review the show on applepodcastradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.